Welcome to the Careers for Net Zero podcast. I'm Holly Taylor from the Energy Efficiency Council. And I'm Anita Tauberg from the Clean Energy Council. And we're your co-hosts for the special limited series podcast. Careers for Net Zero showcases the many exciting career opportunities available to those wanting to deliver an equitable, prosperous and net zero emissions Australia. Over the course of this limited series, we've been interviewing 10 everyday Australians with careers across the clean economy, learning more about what they do, how they got there and how you can too. Achieving net zero emissions is a big job. Whether you're a student, a recent graduate or an experienced worker, you're needed. And as our regulars already know, this podcast is designed to give you some ideas of how you can get involved. But before we dive in, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded and produced on the lands of the Rwandri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation in Nam, known to us as Melbourne. The Clean Energy Council and Energy Efficiency Council respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung peoples, as well as all First Nations traditional owners, and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. We're delighted to introduce our next champion to the Careers for Net Zero podcast, Blade Technician Champion Darren Smith. Darren's a Blade Supervisor at Vestas. Thanks so much for joining us, Darren. Hi. Darren, what's a blade technician? What do you actually do as one? Uh, I work for Vestas, which is currently the world industry leader in renewable wind technology. The main role is to inspect and repair all wind turbine blades that are due for installation on a wind turbine or in a service position that needs annual maintenance. So effectively, Darren, this is like, it's a maintenance job. You're making sure that the the wind turbines are, are working. Yes, pretty much. Um, from the from the construction side, we make sure they're perfect in position from transportation overseas or wherever they've come from into Australia. And after that, any inspections, any upgrades required and any maintenance is required. I think most people wouldn't have any sense of how big or what a turbine blade is made out of. Can you tell us a little bit about the scale of these things? They're pretty big these days. Um, when I first started, they were a blade was 23 metres long. Uh, currently in Australia, the largest blades we're using are 80 metres. The largest blades offshore wind turbines are in excess of 100 metres these days. And they're made from... They're fiberglass, carbon fiber, fiberglass, and epoxy resins, plus a few other bits and pieces. So basically the same thing as a surfboard, right? Pretty much, yeah. Just just 100 metres long. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I don't think you get too much wave on these. So how do you repair them? I mean, not everyone out there knows how to repair a surfboard. How How do you maintain a turbine blade? A steady hand with a grinder, a good eye for detail, um, a lot of health and safety processes because you're dealing with chemicals and basically whatever you remove, you replace. Without going into too much detail, it can be quite complex and how to undertake a full repair, but the basics of it is just put back what you take out. So Darren, are you taking the wind blades off or are you doing this in the air at heights? We try not to take the wind blades off, uh, the, so the turbine blades off. It's an expensive process to bring cranes in and to bring them down to the ground. So most of it is done in the air via um, an EWP, a rope access or a blade access platform. What's an EWP for our listeners at home, Darren? 
an elevated work platform, a big cherry picker. Love that. <laughs> so how high up are the actual blades? How high up is that cherry picker needing to go? Currently, the biggest cherry picker in Australia is only 103 metres. So if we need to go higher than that, we need to use um, a blade access platform, which can get us to around 160 metres up. And after that, we need to use rope access. So it depends how high we need to be. So what's the highest uh, you've had to go on the job? I've been to about 155 metres up. And was that here in Australia or was that overseas? Yeah, no, that was in Australia. That was in southern Queensland. The views up the tower, I just think, must be fabulous. Like you just got nothing around and you're seeing for miles. The views up tower, you just don't get anywhere. Yeah. Um, some of the sights I've seen, some of the views. One of the best views I've had is from here, looking out towards Puckapunyal, hearing the uh, tanks and that do their firing range stuff, um, the big booms, and I'm just looking out over some amazing scenery but i'm on the top of a, a ridge surrounded by trees and sheep and not a lot else a few wombats a few echidnas um plenty of kangaroos some wedgetail eagles um i've seen some wedgetail eagles fly above me about five meters above me and just stare at me and hovering i think of all of the our, our 10 champions your job and your stories kind of like fascinated me personally the most because I'm like, oh, sweet. You've travelled like all around Australia, all around the world. You've got to meet so many people, look at so many cool things. And you're right. As soon as you stop being serious and doing a job properly, then you just get to relax and in enjoy the beauty of the world. Yeah. Um, like I say, I've seen some amazing sights, been to some middle of nowhere places, the waterfalls, the forests. The, the outback, the deserts, uh, the coast. I've worked in every state. People from Victoria, some people I know in Victoria, I've never been to WA. I've spent a lot of time in every state. Uh, I've seen more of Australia than most Australians. So noting the fact that I've uh, just lightly mentioned was that here in Australia, and some people may have noticed that you don't have the ochre accent that, that I do, um, can you tell us about how you decided to be um, a blade technician? Like, how did you get here? Well, uh, I worked for a factory in the UK many years ago in production of the blades. Uh, unfortunately, the blades that we were building at the time were of no longer too much use in the world. They were too small. Um, and inefficient, so the factory closed. Uh, that was in 2009, and at that point, I joined service crews, and with my extensive knowledge of production, um, I joined the repair crews and started traveling around the world. That sounds like kind of a dream job. You're effectively saying you learnt your chops in a factory, and then that business went under, but then you were able to just find jobs all around the world. I get the sense that blade technicians, if they want to, can travel around the world um, supporting wind farms wherever they are. Is that the case? Pretty much, yeah. There are a lot of companies um, throughout Europe, America and Australia which do offer the opportunity to travel the world. Uh, Australia being where we are, we generally stay in Australia. Too far to get us around. We do cover uh, Greater Asia and Japan at times, uh, of course New Zealand. Um, but you can go anywhere. So where's the coolest place you've worked? 
I've got to say Australia. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had some fun times. Um, I have worked around the world. Uh, North Africa was probably one of my favourites. When you're, I mean, apart from the spectacular views while you're up the tower uh, looking at a blade, what are some of the, um, some of the, I guess, the safety issues when you're up there? So I imagine that if it's cold and wintry, it must be quite difficult to do your job. Are there other elements that are of concern from a safety perspective? Um, for Yeah, the temperature, we are temperature controlled on how we can undertake a repair, but safety is paramount in this industry. Um, you only get to fall once. What sort of training is required in that safety area? Uh, extensive training. We undergo uh, something called GWO, Global Wind Organization. Everybody is uh, contractually, you have to do your annual working at heights, um, fire, first aid, rescue scenarios. Um, we go into more advanced scenarios to ensure that we are you know, optimised at our best to undertake any rescue if required um, and to ensure that we're safe in situ at all times. So, Darren, effectively, is that training, does that enable you to do both onshore and offshore servicing? You have to do a bit more to do offshore servicing. Obviously, being out in the ocean, you need to undertake specialists offshore training to deal with um, sometimes you'll go out by a boat sometimes you go out by a helicopter depends how far out in the ocean they are so the specialist training depending on the access method to get into a turbine awesome and for those listening at home we don't yet have offshore wind farms here in australia but that is obviously something that the government and indeed industry is committed to doing. So there is opportunities to train up and do what seems like a pretty exciting job, like a bit of helicopter training sounds fun. You do, uh, I'm not too sure what ones we do here, Hewitt's training is helicopter underwater escape training um, is one of the things. You basically go in a, a capsule and they turn you upside down and dunk you in a swimming pool and you have to get out of it. So for those that, you know, maybe like a bit of adventure and, and risk, getting into being a blade technician, you get to work at big heights and if you want to work in the offshore wind industry, which is going to come up quickly in Australia, there's going to be huge opportunity to, you know, have a bit of adventure in your life. Yeah, for sure. Um, the excitement is, you know, you do get to travel even just in Australia, it's a massive country here. You get to travel all over the place. You get to see towns that most people wouldn't go to. There's no reason to go to middle of nowhere Queensland or far northern West Australia um, in small remote areas, which is where these turbines are. So there's a lot of excitement in traveling the country, seeing the real Australia, the real people, and yeah, to get to go and live offshore for a while if you like. Paint us a bit of a picture of the type of person that's suited to this sort of role. Darren, are you working in a team? Are you working mainly solo? You obviously, as you said, need to be prepared to travel a lot. You can't be afraid of heights. I'm imagining confined spaces as well if you're are you operating inside the tower and stage. Paint us a bit of a picture of the type of person that really might be attracted to this role. Yeah, sure. Um, definitely. You can't be afraid of heights. Confined space is also uh, paramount to the industry because we do have to work inside the blades up in the air. Um, you need a sense of adventure. Uh, you, you'll never be alone. 
you'll always be out with somebody. There'll be a minimum of two people. Um, sometimes there'll be a lot more depending on the projects. Uh, if you're on a construction site, there'll be hundreds of people maybe. If you're doing servicing, there may be two of you that go around. Um, so there can be the loneliness as well at times. But the adventure with just two of you going out and on your day off, just go to travel, go and find some waterfalls, go and find some beautiful mountainscapes. Um, just get out there and go and see what's around. Uh, a sense of adventure, uh, a high aspect of health and safety. Um, you have to be mindful of what you're doing, um, whether you're at work or whether you're out in the wilderness. You, you've got to be aware of your surroundings at all times. Just have a sense of fun and enjoy life. This genuinely seems like your job is the professional version of a, a group of people like travelling around, surfing around Australia in the 70s, um, just, you know, seeing the farest corners, but you're doing it whilst getting paid. Um, obviously, you're, you're not going to be super laid back all the time because you need to be paying attention whilst you're working, but I kind of feel like you're getting in a Volkswagen um, little minivan and just travelling around, having fun, seeing all the sights. Like this just seems like the perfect job for someone that's potentially a bit restless and likes to meet new people and see new places. Oh, for sure, yeah. Sometimes you might have to, uh, you know, take a flight somewhere and then take an extremely long drive or you may just drive the whole way. I've Before to get from site to site with equipment, I've driven the entire Nullarbor. Um, a 3,000 kilometre trip to go to work in in a ute. So there's a, a lot of fun along the way there. Um, uh, but yeah, you can do, it, it's, it's great fun at times. It really is great fun. But again, I do have to say in the, when you're at work, you have to be 100% health and safety focused. But when you're not at work, it's time to enjoy yourself. You are, you can be in the middle of nowhere. Let's talk a little bit about the, skill sets that you need for this role so uh, correct me if I'm wrong I'm imagining a lot of mechanical skills obviously in the actual physical repair of those blades but there's got to be an element of um, electrical knowledge in there I assume needing to stop the blades and how, how does how does that interact or do you have other people in the team that have those skills what what's that skill set there'll be other people from the electrical side there'll be other specialists um, that will do the, the lotto, the lockout, tag out for us to ensure a turbine is shut down safely. Um, the rotor is locked in position so that nothing can happen. That is a, another skill set altogether. Um, the five-year apprentices, I believe, to become an electrician. Um, and then you can come along with us and join the fun. They can't do that remotely. They're traveling with you and physically halting those, uh, that, those electrical systems. Yes. It's not just a, a put, like putting a brake on. Um, which you can do. You can shut them down remotely, but you can't do any other work. You have to be physically there to put physical, a mechanical bolt to stop things from moving. Uh, we would, sometimes we'll take those with us. Other times we'll use site technicians that are based on the sites that we go to. We'll borrow those for a few hours to assist us to ensure safety of the turbine when it's shut down. Um, and then They'll come back at the end of the day and undo their side of things and allow the turbines to run again. So, Darren, it seems like 
you know, you're not just working with blade technicians, you're working with several other people. Of, of course, you're, you're currently uh, in the office and, and you've got some, some meetings today. Given that you're working with so many diverse people, are there people that you've met along the way that have encouraged you and, and kept you excited about being in the sector? Like who has helped you go, this is the career for me? Everywhere you go, you bump into people, um, you make lifelong friends. Uh, I haven't been to West Australia for a couple of years, but I've got some great friends over there, so it's always good fun to go back and see those. You just meet people along the way that have come from similar backgrounds, um, and we just kind of float around and we see each other once a year, once every couple of years. Um, and that's what's the, it's not the driving force, but that's the, that's the excitement of it at times of getting to catch up with old friends. And you're a blade supervisor. Is that one step up from a blade technician? Does that mean you're bringing through the next generation? Yes. Yeah, so I train the next generation. Um, I do a lot of operational support nowadays. A lot based, they're heavy based in an office, but I'm still out on sites, overseeing what people are doing, doing safety walks, just ensuring everybody's you know, safe on site and understand their role. Transfer my skills and knowledge over 20 years of being in the industry to a younger generation. And Darren, is the training that you did, uh, you know, when you first went out, is that different to what the new guys and, and girls are doing now? Training is forever ongoing. Um, I still do training now. Um, there, there's always new techniques. Um, there's always something to learn. You, know, you learn something new every day. So whether it's an official training course or just meeting up with guys who have recently done a training course and they've learned different techniques to what I've been doing over the years, so you learn from them. So it's every day's a training day. So that's, that's a mixture of doing training at, at TAFEs and, and registered training organisations and obviously industry groups like GWO and indeed saying that peer-to-peer networking, you learn so much from chatting with your colleagues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everybody out there, you get together on your, you do your annual uh, safety training, you get together with people from, from not from different industries but from different companies Um we all get to catch up there and chat about what they've been doing recently, how they've been doing things. Um, so it's just a all around. There's so many people in the industry that you can learn knowledge from and never turn down a piece of knowledge. There aren't many women blade technicians in Australia, are there, Darren? How many have you come across? Up and coming, there are. Um, I'm due to start a project next week. There will be... 12 people on the project and three of them will be females. It's actually a great role for women, isn't it? Often roles where you're up in a harness and needing to manipulate and move around can be really well suited to women. Is that right? Yeah, of course. I don't see any difference between being a, a, a man or a woman being out there. Um, we all have the same skills, just something that I guess traditionally women have never really thought about working with big machinery, but you see them everywhere nowadays. On construction sites, you see women driving moxies, women driving big rollers. Um, they're becoming more and more in the industry from what I've noticed over the last few years. I think that's really awesome that you've, like, you're going to have a job where it's 25% female workers in, you know, what is currently doesn't have a lot of women, but you're effectively saying there's absolutely no reason why women shouldn't have your job. And it's great to see that Vestas is investing in women alongside men. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
um, the more the merrier. It's a, it's a very diverse industry, so bring everybody to the party. And there's been a shortage of blade technicians in Australia for at least the last few years, and um, we're you know quickly trying to rectify that and bring in more blade technicians. But my question to you is, why is it important to you to have a clean economy career that's helping Australia achieve net zero? I have children and grandchildren. Um, I want to keep this planet going for them for as many years as we possibly can. That is probably the best short, succinct answer that we have heard to this. Like just the real simplicity (laughs) of going, oh, you know, I'd like people to still enjoy their lives after I'm dead. Like real simple. That's it, yeah. Um, What else can I do? Uh, I'm trying my bit for the industry and for the planet, keeping the renewable energy going. So, you know, maybe my grandchildren will want to join into it one day. Um, But let's leave something for them to join. That, that, that is amazing, Darren. So when you think of your career, like when you first started doing it, were you going, that's my reason for getting into a, a manufacturing um, company that was manufacturing blade turbines? Were you going, yeah, I want to save the world? Or were you just like, no, this is a, a good job? Um, and basically you then, as you were in it, went, this is a meaningful job and that, that matters to me. What were your priorities early on and have they changed? My priorities early on, um, uh, when I first saw a wind turbine, I was pretty impressed by them. Um, I was living in somewhere called the Canary Islands in Grand Canaria. And I saw my first big scale wind turbine and I moved back to the UK. And there was a factory there that built the blades. Um, and these things were, to me at the time, huge. And I was really impressed. So I wanted to be part of the big construction side of things. A complete change in my employment history is what I've done up until that point. I thought, let's just go for it. And as time's gone on, and the more travel I've done, the more I've seen around the planet, it's become more important to ensure that we do keep this planet safe and alive. So you've got an opportunity now to pitch why your career is a good career choice. You've got a captive audience. What are you going to say to them? It's been a great career for me. Um, I've I've learned a lot. I've travelled the world. I've met some great people. I've seen some amazing scenery, a sense of adventure. There's so much to offer. Um, if you want to have a job at home, you can pick a local wind farm and work on a service crew and do blade repairs and be at home every night. If you want to do some travel, you can travel all over Australia. Um, and if you want to go even further, you can travel all over the world. It, there's so much it offers you. So it's really interesting that you say that because one of the conscious efforts that uh, Federation Uni is making here in Australia at the moment is to, in the first place, um, uh, allow a lot of the lay technicians like yourself that have been in the role for a while to actually qualify for what they've been doing for some time. So actually go back and actually get that piece of paper that recognises your skills um, and put in place uh, formalised courses through the nationally accredited TAFE system, that system, uh, to be able to put a qualification towards what a blade technician actually does. So Federation Uni is the first one to be rolling out that course and that's starting up this year. We hope to see a lot more blade technicians over the next few years going through that qualification to ensure that they're trained up to do the job. I hope to see more Australians in this industry and let's build a homegrown network of people from 
our own backyards. Darren, as investors investing in working with universities and TAFEs like um, Federation University to get more people through these courses or is uh, Vestas just hanging out um, at the unis and poaching all the people? What's the game plan for expanding Vestas operations and growing the business and enabling you to have more wind farms? We currently have four apprentices from our Blade team at FedUni now learning the trades at the university as well as out in the field with us. Uh, Vestas are heavily involved in the, the FedUni to ensure forward movement for our company uh, and for the future of Australians. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, Darren. Um, thank you all for um, having me in your uh, podcast. Blade technicians, we don't have enough of them. Most people don't really know what they are or that they even exist, but without enough blade technicians in Australia, we actually don't have an energy transition. So if you're good with your hands, you like a bit of adventure and you think this might be an option for you, Definitely investigate the options around being a blade technician. It's a really rich and fulfilling career that could take you all around the world. The Cruise for Net Zero podcast is proudly brought to you by the Clean Energy Council and the Energy Efficiency Council. You can learn more about Darren and how you can become a blade technician and other clean economy careers at careersfornetzero.org.au. Get the latest Careers for Net Zero episodes delivered directly to you by subscribing to Careers for Net Zero on your preferred audio provider and by following our socials at Careers for Net Zero on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. And if you want to give us any feedback or ask any questions, reach out to the team by email at careersfornetzero at eec.org.au.